Hello everyone. This is Myra with Holly Pulley's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. It's great to be here with you. Continuing our exploration of freedom and how Ayurveda and Yoga can support your experience of it on the inside and on the outside. Freedom in all parts of life in relation to ourselves, to other people, and to everything in nature and beyond. It's the experience of life. This month, let's take a look at freedom in speech and how practicing the yamas and the yamas from yoga can allow you to speak freely and truthfully. As we so often do, we'll start by taking a look at what's going on inside and see how it impacts the outside. When we look at speech, as in speaking, why do we do it? Well, it's about relating and connecting with others. Relating with another human being, an animal, a plant, the unseen in the universe, the God of your heart. There are an infinite number of variables that create the context for speech at any moment in time. It keeps life really interesting. An easy way to get a sense of your own freedom in speech is to ask yourself some or perhaps all of these ten questions. What is my motive for what I want to say? And why am I saying it right now? Observing your internal dialogue is a good place to start. What story was I just telling myself? What am I feeling in my body as well as in my mind? Does it feel harmonious? And what am I feeling in my heart? Or am I even aware of it? Am I just satisfying an old belief about myself or about life? And perhaps the most important question to ask yourself Is it taking me toward my higher self or away? Toward the God of my heart or away from it? Hmm. If you feel like you're not speaking your truth, old beliefs are likely in the way. And these old beliefs are based on our samskara, which are memories or impressions from the past. Or it could be just a habit of thinking. And it becomes our filters in everything we do. If we don't allow them to resolve in our being, then they shape our speech, which comes from what and how we're thinking. So the internal dialogue is a reflection of feelings and emotions at that point, and it affects the words you use, the tone of voice, and the overall energy you're projecting. The energy behind it being more powerful than the words themselves. When the internal dialogue, or your mind, is caught in negativity, it's a bit like being a prisoner of your mind. So what else goes on inside with the mind that affects our ability to have freedom in our speech? The fear of what others think, 
the fear of hurting other people's feelings, the fear of having our feelings hurt. This all has an effect on our speech, acting as filters to our speech, creating a disconnect from our true self. And then you may wonder, where did it come from? Is it something inherited, or did I just make it up? It could be either or both. These fears and feelings of discomfort, shame, or embarrassment that come with them create some common patterns of speech that block our true expression. For example, a tendency to overuse the word sorry. It's possible we aren't really sorry toward the other person, but we're just trying to buffer our discomfort and make ourselves feel better. And that comes from a very different place inside of us. Check yourself on this one. Another is the word like. It's used these days to cover up discomfort in our speech. It used to just mean a comparison of two things. Something is like or similar to something else. And today, it's been interjected into our speech in English in almost every sentence for some people. I remember when it came about, because it was horrifying to me as someone who had put a fair amount of energy into acquiring rights for women as equal human beings. And so just now I googled it to be accurate for you and here's what I found. A valley girl is a socioeconomic, linguistic, and youth subculture stereotype originating during the 1980s. I remember this. Any materialistic upper-middle-class young woman associated with unique vocal and California dialect features from the Los Angeles commuter communities of the San Fernando Valley. The term in later years became more broadly applied to any female in the United States who embodied ditziness, airheadedness, or greater interest in conspicuous consumption than intellectual or personal accomplishment. So this so-called cool and hip speech that came out of Southern California has become a way of stalling or inserting something into a space of discomfort. And this is with men and women. We'll go with that one instead of the ditziness. It clutters our speech, making it very difficult to hear or understand what a person actually wants to communicate. I've heard sentences with five or more likes in it and no comparison going on. <laughs> and sometimes there are more likes than the rest of the message in the sentence. It makes it difficult to listen to someone doing this. Perhaps you want to free yourself from the grips of being cool and spend a day or more taking like out of your speech. 
except if you're making a comparison. Let me know how that goes. Other words we use to cover discomfort are, you know, and um. I have to work on this myself. And just allow the space to be there as I collect my thoughts and decide what to say next. And in some cases, it may be better to be blank than it is to be thinking. Another thing we do with our speech when feeling uncomfortable is to interrupt or talk over others, not letting them finish their sentence. And this interferes with others' freedom to speak, but also it creates a disconnection in the relating. And this is what's called steya in Sanskrit, or stealing from another. From the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, we understand that the practice of asteya, meaning non-stealing, will take us toward a state of yoga. So this is a good time to recognize that you may be talking it at someone rather than allowing space for an exchange and speaking to them, saying hello to their spirit or their higher self, and actually being open to listening to the response. We can learn to not take it personally when it happens to us but it doesn't really allow for a connection. It keeps our relating with others very much on the surface, not much depth. And then we may wonder why we don't have a feeling of connection with others and are actually pining for it. All of these words are acting as distractions from our freedom in speech. On the flip side, we may also hold ourselves back from speaking out of fear, embarrassment, or shame. When we find ourselves suppressing our speech, we may experience a tight jaw. And this is related to the Vishuddha chakra, or sometimes referred to as the fifth chakra, in the throat area and in the head. It's about our communication, the use of the five senses and the sense organs. And it includes the projection of our speech. We often have blocks of energy in the fifth chakra as it relates to mm, family and how things should be done, mm, as well as it could be any a past trauma. Ancestral energy can play a role here as well. It's a great tool for moving through blocks in the fifth chakra. And that is to come into balasana, child's pose, also known as embryo pose. So you're in the pose, and as you inhale, focus on gently lifting the sacrum, and then into the low back, and then to the mid-back, and then to the base of your neck, and your neck and head. So in other words, that inhale, you're just expanding inside and just allowing that gentle opening. You'll have a nice soft curve in your back. 
fill that area in the base of your neck with your, your breath, with your prana. And just do this a few times and do it each day, maybe even twice a day. And just and see what happens. Now, if you can stop a few times during the day and do that, it's great. It really changes things. Because we don't tend to breathe into that area. We don't. We, the energy gets stuck there. And just keep going with it, and you'll be amazed. Now, your breath is the source of your life force. Work with it. And put your mind in its place as, as a mere tool, not the chief of your life. In Ayurveda, we understand that whatever we're exposed to through our five senses creates an impression or a memory, this samskara I mentioned. And if it's something easy and resolved in the moment, then it's just one more experience. But if it sticks, if it remains unresolved, for example, maybe we have a resentment or we're angry about something or we have a situation that we feel like we can't handle, then we carry this around and it creates those filters that our speech has to move through. Yeah, it's those blockages. And we all have some at some point, then we all have the opportunity to free ourselves from them as we walk through life. And that's freeing our speech to be a full expression of our truth. Ask yourself, what's my intention for what I'm saying? Is it to feel right about something? Or is it to genuinely have a connection with another? Are you asking questions to collect information so that you can be in the know? Or are you asking with sincere interest in getting to know the other person? Asking ourselves these kinds of questions brings us to the practice of satya or honesty. Self-honesty in this case allows us to free ourselves from the bondage of our past. And these are also great points for svadhyaya, or self-examination in light of spiritual principles. Am I willing to take a look at myself and see where I can be more connected to myself? And as a result, have the opportunity to be more connected to others? What can I do to move toward a state of yoga? meaning the unity of my body, mind, and spirit. So perhaps it's to allow that space to be there. This is where the practices of Ayurveda make such a difference in our ability to practice self-examination and reflection. The balance that we can experience with the practices of Ayurveda smooths the path for us. And another point from yoga, having discernment, or what's called vivek in Sanskrit, it will give you the results that you seek in terms of speech. 
from the teachings of yoga, it said there are three things to consider when you want to say something. Number one, is it necessary? Number two, is it truthful to the best of your understanding? And number three, is it sweet? As in bringing sweetness to life in the longer term. I found these three conditions to be really helpful in making the choice of whether to speak and what really needs to be spoken. When you speak your truth following these conditions, ahimsa will be the result. And this is nonviolence, which is the first of the yamas from yoga and on the principle on which all of the other yamas from yoga are based. In other words, we speak with kindness, consideration, and respect. And then we can come from the heart without the filters. And as we practice this, it will become spontaneous, without thought. Sometimes we can speak to validate something for ourselves and and then share our experience and strength with others. And this is a great opportunity to get over the old ways and open up to speaking from the heart and truth rather than the filters of the past. Then the ability to say, I love you, with purity and without attachment comes more easily. When you're worried about what others will think of your speech, it's a great time to walk yourself through the yamas and niyamas from yoga and see where you can free yourself. And those yamas and niyamas are the ethical principles of yoga, you could say. We have a series of podcasts going through each of these yamas and niyamas uh, from 2019 that you might find helpful. Talking uses a large amount of energy. It's important to use your energy wisely. From yoga, it's said that we come to the planet with a certain number of breaths. Good to use them wisely. I hope these questions and suggestions will stimulate you to find your freedom in your speech. It's a powerful part of the movement of our energy and the human experience. Embrace it. Until next time. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halipule. Their recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.